good tonight? Everybody good? Come on, let's talk to me. Everybody good? Yes. All right. All right. Just remember, whenever you don't have anything to thank God about, thank Him that you're alive. Thank Him that you're here. There's a lot of people going to the hospitals. There's a lot of people in the hospitals that would trade places with you in a second to be where you are tonight. So give God some thanks. Come on, let's give God some thanks tonight. Hallelujah. Worthy to be praised. Can you hear me, everybody? Well, my dear beloved colleague and friend, Dr. Cleo Robertson, is in the house tonight. And um, he is our speaker for the evening. He's been with the Alliance Theological Seminary for, since 2004, so do the math. Was that 16 years, brother? 16 and counting. He doesn't even know how long it's been, but that's how long it's been. Uh, he serves here as professor of Old Testament, in the, and he does a great job at it. I took a class with Brother Cleo when I was doing my master's study here, and I tell this story often, but you know, it, it's, I just tell it everywhere I go. He was teaching one uh, evening, and at the break, I went up to him and I says, Brother Cleo, you know what, I'm supposed to preach this Sunday, but after the way you finished breaking down the Hebrew and the importance of knowing the literal language, I don't even want to preach this Sunday. And he just grabbed me and he said, Brother, don't say that, you can do it, you can do it. And I appreciated his, his confidence and his encouragement, so for that I am eternally grateful. He actually also pastors, he's a senior pastor of the Soundview Presbyterian Church in the Bronx. He's got his education, he, he hails from Dartmouth, he got a BA from Dartmouth College, master's in, from Brooklyn College and an MDiv, and then he has his PhD from, uh, did you get your PhD from Gordon Cornwall or, or New York, and NYU? NYU? NYU, he has a PhD from NYU, he got his, his MDiv from Gordon Cornwall, right? Yes, yes, he's a scholar, that's what, that's what all that means. He's married and he has twin boys or girls, one of each. One of each. Oh, boy. Okay. That's why the slash is there. He has one girl and one boy. Twins. How about that? Come on. Help me give a warm Nyack welcome to my beloved friend, Dr. Cleo Robinson. students who will eventually be ATS students, uh, this will positively impact on your grade. Okay. Let me give you an assignment and ask uh, that you would take a look at Matthew chapter 25 in its entirety. There are three parables, kingdom parables that Jesus gives there. The first one there in verse 1 deals about with the ten virgin, five wise and five foolish, uh, challenging us to be vigilant. And then in verses 14 through 30, um, that's the one we're going to look at today, just the actions connected with vigilance. And then in verses 31 and following that you may read tonight, uh, we see uh, judgment, the consequences of our uh, vigilant actions for the Lord. But I want to call your attention again to a familiar passage there, the why, uh, there in verses 
14 through 30, uh, where we see the parable of the talents, the parable of the talents. Uh, if I could, if I would, let me give you two titles. I was going to say if I would pull a title. One, the person that God uses. That's what I want to talk about today, the person that God uses during this time of Lent, or just simply Lenten reflections, Lenten reflections. God wants to use us. God wants to use you. Not only you, God uses individually, but all of your experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we serve a God who is providential, so that in our lives, nothing is ever wasted. And it's always good to look at our lives when things are up, to see what God is teaching me. When things are down, to see what God is teaching me. Because God is intimately and infinitely involved in every nook and cranny of our lives. When we come to this middle parable of these three, Jesus likens the kingdom of heaven to a man going on a journey and summons to himself three of his workers, slaves, and he gives each one of them according to their ability and amount of money. To one he gives five talents, to one he gives two, to another one. Again, each based on their abilities. And he wants them, while he is gone, to invest what he has given to each one of them. A talent. Now, we were trying to figure out, okay, how much money is that in our time frame? A talent is worth about 6,000 denarii. A denarii is one denarii is worth a day's wage. So that uh, each talent would be worth a quarter of a million dollars. So one gets 250,000. One gets 500,000. The other gets 1.25 million dollars. That's a whole lot of money. Maybe that's not a whole lot of money where you live, but where I live in Brooklyn, that's a whole lot of cabbage leaves. And so he goes away. And then the record says the one he gave five talents to went away, put the five talents to work, and gave and gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two talents immediately went, put the two talents to work, and gained two more. And then there's a conjunction there in verse 18. Usually when there's a conjunction, that means that there's something that adversely is going to happen. But the one who had one talent went out, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master came back to settle accounts. Let me stop right here and warm my heart to say one of the great things about being a 
a son and daughter of the Most High God, is that the Lord is coming back. And so uh, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no question about who's going to win this cosmic drama of life. It's already been won in Jesus Christ. The record demands and the issue is what are we going to do in between time with what the Lord has given us. And notice here uh, the recounting and the accounting that occurs when the master comes back. The one who gave five, what he has done speaks volumes for him. He said, Lord, look, you entrusted me with five? Here's five more. And then the master gives him this commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. Come on up, and I will make you ruler over many. Enter into joy of your master. Then the one who had two comes back there, and the Lord, and he lays before his master the two talents. And notice here, there is the identical commendation with the one who had five and the one who had two. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Come on up. I will make you rule of many. Enter into the joy of your kingdom. Notice, the one who got five gained five more. The one who got two gained two more. Notice that they both get the same commendation. Whether God calls you on the mission field and five million people come to Christ through God's labor through you, whether God calls you to the mission field and two come to Christ and one of them is your wife, <laughs> whether you pastor Big Street CNMA or Baptist Church and you get a chance to preach to thousands, or whether you pastor 10 people and you're not only the pastor, you're the janitor, janitor, you're the sexton, and you're the cook. What the Lord calls us to do, brothers and sisters, is to be faithful. Faithful with what the Lord has promised to get to, for you. And guess what? It's the same thing. Whether you're pastor of Big Street Baptist Church or pastor of no street Baptist church. Still, the benefit is having a relationship with the Lord and knowing that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And then now to the one servant, the one servant. Notice that the one servant who does the least has the most to say. And he says, look, Master, I knew you were a hard man harvesting where you had not planted and searching where you had not put anything, I knew you were going to be strict. And so what I did is I took the one talent, hid it in the ground, and uh, here is the one that, I, that you gave me. And then notice the commendation, he says, and it's not a commendation at all. You evil and lazy slave. You knew that I would harvest where I didn't sow, and gather where I did not scatter. You should have at least deposited the money with the bank 
then it would have gained some interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For the one who has will be given more, and he will have more than enough. But the one who does not even have what he has will be taken. Throw this worthless slave into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, I think I need to say something positive because this is probably uh, the best way to end the story on. And optimism goes a long way. So let me see during this Lenten season if I could make this positive for you and for me. Let me remind you and remind myself that God is a God of grace. That whatever you have is not because of who you are, but because of who you, who owns you and whose you are. Our God, brothers and sisters, is a God of grace. For me, that's even uh, exemplified even more because in the Greek, each one of these servants literally is called a slave, a doulos, so that what he has in life is because of God's amazing grace. Secondly, God requires us to use our gifts, his gifts, for his glory. That's responsibility. Don't you know, brothers and sisters, when you use the gifts that God has given you, you grow and you get stronger in the Lord? And then I'm reminded lastly that, brothers and sisters, there's a reward in this life and the next because of God's amazing grace to you and me. Well, Dean Hammond kind of shortchanged my, my family. I really have, I have four folk in the family, not including the dog and my wife and myself, twins. And then... Uh, the Lord blessed us about a year and a half ago with another boy. So I have an 18-month-old, and I have an ARP card. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. And so uh, now I'm trying to navigate young kids and trying to give to them gospel lessons that they can grab on and grow with. Something happened to them with my daughter the other day, uh, Raquel. She's four and a half now. She's in pre-K. Uh, we went to the store, and always now, when I go to the store, I got to get three gifts. Well, I got to get one for the 16-year-old, for the two sets, for the twins, four and a half, and then now for Joshua, who's 18 months. So usually if I go for one thing, it winds up being four things, and then I can't walk in the house without something for the wife. And so usually I can go out for one thing, and I got to get five. But anyway, back to my original story. We went, and we bought some watches for my four-year-old, not really watches. Uh, they were just little uh, watch-like toys that lit up. And so my son James had a PJ mask, because he likes PJ masks. If you know kids, if you don't Google it, you, or you soon know, you soon know, PJ mask. So he had a nice PJ mask watch. Raquel had a frozen watch. Awesome. And so Raquel's watch two days ago broke. And James is going to school with his PJ Maxx watch lighting up, excited, because he wants to show all the boys and girls he got a watch. Don't tell time, but he got a watch. <laughs> and Raquel's watch broke. And so uh, she told me when she got up, the watch broke. And I tried to 
hug and console my daughter. It's okay, Raquel. And the daughter that my wife gave birth to, my first baby girl, didn't want to hug me. She got to the corner of the bed and was not consoled. And so I was hurt, going, my, my daughter, not consolable. So I said, look, daddy will take care of it. Don't worry. She didn't want to hear it. Didn't want me to hug her. And so I knew I had some work to do, David. So that, while she went to school, I went and got her another frozen watch. I even started to drop it off at pre-K four, but I thought that might have been a little bit too much. Would let me in. So I put it on the car seat, and I told him, I'm going to pick him up from school today. So I picked him up, and when I picked him up, I said, let's hurry up to the car, because Daddy has a surprise for both of you. I both, well, I had to get some for James. I both got them some $2 slime, the clay from the dollar store. And then I got her a watch. They came into the car, and I said, look, Raquel, look on your seat. There's a watch for you. She looked at the watch, and she grabbed me in a bear hug. She had never in four and a half years hugged me like that. Here is the theological lesson that I'm going to develop with my daughter. It's not about the gift. It's about the relationship with your father. That whatever God may take, whatever life may take from you, your father, brothers and sisters, our father, is a God of grace. And whatever life takes away, God can more than make up for He's He gives us exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Yesterday we were at church celebrating Ash Wednesday. My wife is a student here, so she had class here. So I had to bring all of the kids to church. I got everybody in the car. And so I uh, got everybody there in the room. We were putting the ashes on. I said, receive now the ashes of, of Lent. And so I'm putting them on. And so my son, James, asked a, a $64 theological question. What does this mean? And so now I've got to figure out what I tell him the ashes mean. It's my, we're reminded of our mortality. We're mindful that it reminded that this is a season of repentance and submission. And, and before, before I could I could try to figure out David how to put that and package that uh, in a way that he would understand, he looked at me in a smile. Said, Daddy, I know what it means. I said, Well, what? I thought maybe God was already working on the heart of a four and a half year old. It's, he says, it means I got superpowers. And I said, that's not bad, James. I thought to myself, I'm going to use that. Superpowers? Well, no, he's not going to be Catboy on PJ Maxx that he likes. But what it does mean that God has identified with us in Jesus Christ. So that in Christ, we have grace. In Christ, we have love. In Christ, we have his presence. In Christ, he has promised never to leave us, never to leave us alone. So brothers and sisters, as we think about Lent, as we think about uh, African American History Month and how God has held us in the palm of his hands, we're mindful of his amazing grace. I was coming here, I stopped at a stop sign. 
And I said to myself, a man of color did that. And then when I eat a peanut butter sandwich, I said, a, a, a George Washington Carver did that. When they go to a moon, uh, Miss Johnson calculated those numbers. And the list goes on of God's amazing grace, how God steps into time and shows us that he loves us with an everlasting love. Everything you'll ever do, every gift you'll ever get is because of God's amazing grace. I have my AARP card now. Um, and I'm a proud AARP card carrier. And looking back over my life, everything that I've ever had, have, every job that I've ever gotten, the Lord opened up a door and somebody approached me before I approach them. And I'm mindful now at 60, almost two, of God's amazing grace. Don't you know, brothers and sisters, this is a nice time of year just to say thank you, Lord, for being God all by yourself. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning. Thank you, Lord, for letting me uh, study at a, a first-rate Christian college and seminary. Thank you, Lord, for opening doors some of you, some of you are going to get college degrees. My father and mother never made it to college. My father had about a sixth grade education. And I have two, two terminal degrees. And I'm not bragging about that. I'm mindful of God's amazing yeah. grace. They may not have got it, but since I'm their children, I must have, their child, I must have got it from someplace. And so I'm giving God thanks for opening up doors. God is a God of grace. And God expects you to use the gifts that he has given to you. Amen. To pray and be a disciple. To witness and to be a disciple. But to pull out coffee at night and pull out the book and make sure that you work hard in your classes. And God is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. God is a rewarder to us of the gifts that we use for his glory. The person that God uses recognizes that God is a God of grace. The person that God uses knows that it's not enough to grab a gift and hoard it, but God gives you a gift so that you can use for his witness and for the advancement of his kingdom. And you grow when you use your gift. And God is honored and glorified when you use your gift. And then lastly, we are going to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord and give an account of what God has blessed us with. I close on this quote from Richard Claudius Gay, a mentor friend of mine. He said to me when I was starting out, he said, Reverend, the Lord is not calling you to be famous. You may be famous, but that's not what the Lord is calling you to be. The Lord is calling you to be faithful, to be faithful with what God has given you and what God has called you to do. Brothers and sisters, God bless you on this day. Amen.
I was looking for the dean. I thought there was a rapture. And we were left. Somebody said, he's going to let us close out. Gracious and everlasting Father, we thank you for this season of Lent. We're reminded uh, that 40 days hence from now, we will celebrate the resurrection. Thank you for being God all by yourself. Our Father, we have enough sense to realize that every good and perfect gift comes from you, and for this we give thee thanks. Father, help us to be uh, dutiful stewards. Help us to be generous students, stewards with what you have given us. Father, use us for your glory. Use us for your purposes in this world. Father, we thank you for this day, for your love, and for your care. In Christ we ask this. Amen. Amen. God bless you on this day. Amen.